This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast number 87. In today's podcast episode, we revisit our interview with Dr. Barry Johnson on the two crux polarities our country is facing during the COVID-19 pandemic. As is true for all polarities, they are indestructible, unavoidable, unsolvable, and unstoppable. That's what makes this episode an essential encore episode because the polarities discussed will continue into 2021 and beyond the pandemic. As you listen to this encore episode, we encourage you to reflect on what your learnings have been over the past year on managing these unsolvable, unavoidable, and indestructible tensions between health and economy and individual freedom and the common good. Without further ado, here's our Encore podcast with Dr. Barry Johnson. Hi, healthcare leaders. I'm Tracy Christofferson. And I'm Michelle Trosett. We're your hosts for Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, and we are so grateful you joined us today. You're about to see healthcare problems and challenges through a brand new lens and take your leadership to a whole new level with this podcast. We've coached healthcare leaders from across North America for over 30 years as they strive to establish healthy healing organizations and thriving work cultures. This is the only podcast that shows healthcare leaders how to apply polarity thinking, the missing logic in healthcare, to their reoccurring challenges so they can stop wasting time, money, and resources on fixes that fail. If you want to create a healthy healing organization where staff and leaders thrive and perform at their highest level, where values are aligned, outcomes are sustainable, and the highest quality of care is delivered, then this podcast is for you. Keep listening. Each week, you're going to learn how to leverage a polarity mindset and manage competing priorities as we use a polarity lens to explore everyday challenges with the leaders who are striving to manage them. We're thrilled you're here. Hello, everyone. This is Michelle. And Tracy. We're back. We are. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I'd just try a little something different for an opening. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) We just keep showing up. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really glad we showed up today, Tracy. You are? Why? (laughs) Because of our special guests we had today. It was just a phenomenal interview and one that I think is going to go down in our history. Oh, Yes. This yes. is a profound interview. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, what is being shared today, everybody needs to hear. Everybody. Everybody, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talked to Dr. Barry Johnson. Who doesn't need to listen to Dr. Barry Johnson? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> For sure. And he's speaking about something that is on the minds of pretty much every single person. Right. Oh, yeah. This is, yeah. well, this is national and international, really, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm some key crux polarities that uh, we're all experiencing on multiple levels. And we talk about that in the interview, right? Right, right. Locally, personally, nationally, internationally. I mean, wow, it's big stuff. Right. So um, just in full transparency, we recorded this in like mid-May. And um, what's on the minds of a lot of people is how to keep everyone still safe amongst the COVID-19 pandemic. And when do we reopen our economy? And mm-hmm. it is a tension. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of polarizing. Yes. <clears throat> right? So um, Barry is really, he's written a couple articles, which he talks about in the interview. Mm-hmm. And they will, um, I think it just opens up the perspective of why we're experiencing the tension that we're experiencing and how we might move forward, mm-hmm. um, right, to a both and so, you know, proposal, right? right like right. how to manage it that way. And uh, so I think it's just, you know, it's just an opportunity, again, for us to learn and grow and evaluate how we're managing some of these tensions that we experience. And how seeing the whole picture is really critical. Yeah. 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 And he has such a great perspective on that. Mm-hmm. And we're just blessed to have him in our lives and on our podcast. Yes. So let me tell you a little bit about Barry. We've introduced him before, but here's a here's a fresh in, uh, perspective on Barry, right? So um, Dr. Barry Johnson is the founding partner uh, and chairman of Polarity Partnerships. And way back in 1975, Barry began his journey around polarities, and he created the very first polarity map and the set of principles of how polarities work. 
And since then, he's been learning with clients how to leverage these polarities, also known as paradoxes, dilemmas, or tensions. And polarity thinking has been applied in hundreds of organizations, both large and small, in the United States and globally, actually. Um, Barry's worked with a variety of organizations, and I'm telling you, the list is about a half a page long. But some of the areas that he's worked with, the business and industry, he's worked with government, he's worked with education, and he's worked with nonprofits. So he's really spread this around and, uh, you know, has really helped it to grow in a lot of different ways. Uh, he is a he is devoted to his family and an avid outdoorsman and intrepid traveler. He brings um, head and heart together in his presentations, his teaching, and his consulting. He's really one of a kind. And Barry and his wife, Dana, have five children and 11 grandchildren. Now, he wrote a book in 1992 called Polarity Management, Identifying and Managing Unsolvable Problems. And, um, you know, it's in wide use in businesses and community organizations, but he has two new books coming out, which we are so excited to see uh, hit the shelves, right? The first is um, And, and it is um, Making a Difference, by Leveraging Polarities, Paradoxes, and Dilemmas. And that's Volume 1 will come out in June, and that's the foundations of all of those elements. But later this summer, hopefully in August, a second edition will come out with the same title, but this will be Applications of Polarity Thinking. And there are like 39 different contributors who are all applying polarity thinking in different ways that will be represented in that applications book. And we're just proud to say we've got two chapters in there. (laughs) So we have to celebrate that, right? So again, this is just a phenomenal interview and you really do not want to miss it. So without further ado, here's Dr. Barry Jensen. Welcome, Barry. Welcome back to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We're so glad you're here. Yeah. Yes. Well, you're no stranger to our podcast, so you know that Tracy and I like to start every episode with our guests with just some fun banter. And um, we know that you know that in every negative situation, there's usually a few positive things we can pull out of it. So can you share just a few positive things that maybe you personally experienced since COVID-19? Yeah, absolutely. A couple of things that come to mind are, uh, first of all, we are in much more frequent contact with, uh, with friends and family uh, via the internet than we were beforehand. So we're, I mean, we're meeting regularly. We're having Friday afternoon uh, 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 meetings with some friends we've known for like 30 years, and all of a sudden we're seeing them weekly. And, and so that's, that's fun, that increased uh, contact. And another special thing is that Dana and I, uh, uh, we have a little uh, convertible, and so we put our masks on and, and, and put the top down. And if it's relatively cold, we just put blankets on our lap, and we, we take this convertible ride out through watching spring develop uh, and stop the car where there's, a, where there's open space and no one's around and just uh, walk for a while with each other. So those two things are, are very regular and um, just a lot of fun in the midst of what is a difficult time for a lot of people. Um, we fortunately, uh, you know, are the privilege we had prior to COVID-19 continues with the privilege we have in COVID-19. So we're very well uh, taken care of and blessed in the midst of uh, a time that's very difficult for, uh, for a lot of people in contrast to us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for sure. We're fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. I just love the visual of you and Dana tooling around town with your masks on in a convertible. <laughs> I know it's quite the visual. <laughs> and good for you, right? Get creative on yeah. how you can right embrace the outdoors during this time and do it safely. Yes. And, and I'm with you too, right? I feel so blessed and mm-hmm. privileged at this time of such difficulty. So yeah. thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, yeah. And how about uh, your work and organization? Any significant changes for you on that front? Um, yes, our organization has been hit really hard financially um, because the kind of service that we provide, you know, the consulting and training for organizations is one of the first things that people, when a financial crunch happens, that they let go of. And it's understandable because it's like it's the least, the least essential thing probably in their budget. And so we, uh, we lost you know, a high percent of our uh, business um, within a matter of a few weeks that was uh, that we had on our calendar. Um, and we know that we are going to be one of the last to be put back into people's budget. So we've got, 
we've got a protracted period of time where we're going to be uh, struggling for sure. And we're trying to look at how we can provide uh, products and services uh, through the internet as an alternative to most of our sessions, which are face-to-face in our consulting and training. So we're looking how to, how to do that. And, um, and we're feeling good about what we have offered in the past. And so uh, we'll, uh, we'll be offering what we can in the future. Oh, it looks yeah. like my wife, Dana, is also uh, clicked in here. So she'll be oh. watching. <laughs> Great. Hey, welcome, Dana. Welcome, Dana. <laughs> for those, for our listeners, yes. we're doing a Zoom meeting today and also uh, recording this, uh, you know, video recording it as well as recording it and audio yeah. for you. So um, we're so glad, Dana, that you're in the audience listening in. Um well, you know, I think, Barry, it's just been really evident to us as polarity thinkers how important polarity thinking is and what a critical skill it is right now during this pandemic. I mean, wow, never has there been, right. you know, a, a time where we really have needed this to help us maintain, you know, that kind of dynamic balance uh, in our lives, in our countries, right? I mean, it's just the first time ever as a species, we've experienced the same thing, right? The same kind of crisis and chaos. And and so it's just critical. And We've been talking about, you know, a lot about the crux polarities that healthcare leaders are experiencing right now and the need to manage that and and develop resilience during this time, um, especially because it's such an unprecedented time. And, you know, there's been a lot of change and, um, you know, the need for adding stability to that change, you know, to help people navigate this time, structure and flexibility, you know, everybody's been more than flexible, right? (laughs) And, uh, and looking, I think, for some structure to return to their lives, Um, just the giving and the receiving, and we've seen so much of both Mm -hmm. uh, in the country. So there's been some really great positive outcomes, and we've seen a lot of um, balance um, and leveraging of the tensions, but there's so much more uh, to be leveraged and identified that are needed. And um, you just uh, recently authored two new op-ed pieces on two crux polarities that we're facing as a nation. And these are just critical crux polarities that we have to pay attention to that are you know, really going to be very important to you know our future um, and to our current situation, really. Right. Um, and we're going to make sure that those uh, articles are going to be available in the show notes uh, for our podcast listeners. And they are also available on your website, I believe. Is that correct, Barry? Yes, that's that's correct. Okay. And then they're going to be in your new book that's coming out, which we'll talk about later. So, um, But let's just start talking about the first one that you wrote. And the first piece is Winning on Two Fronts, Health and Economy. And you point out that polarity thinking can actually save lives, strengthen the economy, and speed the national recovery. And so tell our audience a little bit about, you know, what's the basis of that statement? Okay, well, um, uh, first of all, uh, the thing to appreciate, I think one of the things to appreciate about polarities is that they're unsolvable in that you can't choose one pole or the other and and be done with it. they're also unavoidable. They're just, they're there, they're with us, we need to deal with it. And they're indestructible, which is a gift, because even if we don't quite handle it right at one time, they're there, they're still present with us to figure out how to do a better job with them than we have done in the past. Um, And they're leverageable. Uh, There's a natural tension between the two poles, but that tension is leverageable. The problem is, if we connect the two poles of a polarity with the word or, from that point on, we have exacerbated the problem. It just doesn't work. It doesn't make us bad or incompetent. It just means we've misdiagnosed the situation, and we assume because there's tension between the two that we have to make a choice between them. And um, so since polarities have been around forever, the polarity of paying attention to health and the economy has been with us before COVID-19. And as you've mentioned, when COVID-19 shows up, it tends to, because of the intensity of the experience uh, and its dramatic nature and its impact on all of us, it sheds a light on 
this polarity, for example, of health and economy. We were dealing with the health and economy polarity before COVID-19. And one of the things that happened in anticipation of COVID-19 is we had overfocused on the economy to the relative neglect of healthcare. So we didn't have our hospitals in the kind of financial soundness that they needed to be. Um, we didn't uh, invest in, matter of fact, we uh, intentionally um, uh, uh, removed the organization that had been created to respond, to anticipate and respond to uh, pandemics. We took it out as a budget saving measure so that it wasn't available. So the uh, in terms of leveraging the polarity of health and economy, we had overfocused on economy to the relative neglect of health. That set us up when COVID-19 occurred to experience how out of balance we were. And so it became more uh, dramatic. And so if we look at that on a polarity map, I'm going to share screen for those people who are able to see this. And I'm just going to share the map that shows up in, in one of the two articles. And just for those who are listening, it's a polarity map that has the, the two poles are health on one side and economy on the other. And the greater purpose at the top is a healthy people and economy. The possibility that we can do both. We can have healthy people and a healthy economy. And in the, the upside of health, if you do a good job of taking care of the health pole, then you have a thriving healthcare system. Um, if you take care of the economy, the upside of the economy on the polarity map is a thriving economy. So when you can put and between these two poles, uh, we can focus on health and the economy. The result is that we have a thriving healthcare system adequately funded by a, a robust economy. And because we have a thriving healthcare system, we have people that are healthy and energetic and able to go to work and to help the economy thrive. So a thriving healthcare system supports a thriving economy. The thriving economy, if it's willing to put some of its, some of its uh, 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 benefits it back into the healthcare system to reinvest in, in a thriving healthcare system, that leads to a healthy people and healthy economy. If, however, you put or between health and economy in this map and you get in a fight, are we going to focus on the economy or on health? That leads to a, a struggle. Um, around this tension and the struggle becomes a power struggle. And so whoever wins that power struggle, the system becomes vulnerable to the victory because the victory just gets you in the downside of the pole of the winner's uh, you know, preference. So if we had a power struggle between health and economy and health won, we just focus on health, we don't pay attention to economy, that would contribute to a recession and, and exacerbate the recession. If we just focus on the economy to the neglect of health, it reinforces the pandemic and, and COVID-19 wins rather than us winning. So in this battle with COVID-19, the, the essence of this article is to say we ought not be battling each other over health or economy because that's actually not going to serve our interests at all. It's only going to serve the interests of COVID-19 in finding itself killing more and more people. So that's the essence of the article. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think what, what, what I found really interesting, too, is, um, you know, as you were talking about, you know, this both and, right, and how we found ourselves in this situation, right, because of what was happening previously with not having, you know, a strong healthcare system to start with, right, and struggling from a financial perspective around that. And then the, the American Hospital Association came out with a article just last week, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. And they talked about the financial ramifications for healthcare and healthcare systems right now with everything that they're having to invest, right? Like how they're supporting, you know, we hear a lot about the clinicians at the point of care and the traumatic experience they're having and the struggles there. But there's also so much happening from a hospital system. I mean, you know, they're paying for childcare, they're paying for their transportation, they're paying for overtime, um, you know, where they're living, yeah. right? Because they can't go home to their families. I mean, there's just all kinds of additional expenses. The increase in expense for ventilators, masks, right? All this, everything that's happening. I mean, they're estimating just in four months, right? It's like 202 billion with a B. 
dollars of loss, right? On top of a struggling system to start with, right? So, and yet, and, and so if we lose that system, right, then that's going to have an impact on the health right. of the population because we won't have, we won't have a place mm-hmm. for people to go to get the care. So it's all inner, it's that interdependency, right? And I think it just brings it right to the forefront. Yes. And one of the points about polarities is that uh, not only are both important, and, and we need to, you know, give them the attention they deserve. But we need to recognize that there will be points in time in which we need to pay special attention to one pole uh, in, in the immediate uh, demand, knowing that we're going to have to go back and pay attention to that, to that other pole later. Um, so a simple metaphor of this is if you were, if you were snorkeling someplace, you know, and you were in about six foot of water and you wanted to go to go down and see a, a, a starfish that's on the bottom of the water, you want to get down close, you would alter your normal breathing pattern of inhaling and exhaling. You would concentrate on a deep inhalation. Then you would surface dive and go down by the starfish, take a look at it and you would come back up. And then you would return to your normal breathing pattern, probably right. taking a deep breath the minute you came up, right? Yep. So, so if, you, if you weren't able to alter your breathing pattern, you couldn't go down and see the starfish because you'd just be, you know, it's just not possible. Likewise, with, with, uh, with this polarity of healthcare and the economy, with this huge demand for healthcare, we need to finance healthcare. We need to make sure that they have what they need to survive. Um, and so the emphasis is on healthcare, and so we're de- we would be depleting our reserves. We would going be going more financially into debt. You know, we're printing money in order to take care of healthcare. That doesn't mean that that's where we're going to stay forever. But it means now let's pay attention to a fifty billion dollar loss a month uh, for hospitals, and 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 let's let's figure out how we cover that. We will get through this. We will have healthy citizens. We'll get beyond, you know, the COVID crisis. And at that point, um, we will have a healthcare system there. We'll get there sooner because we've taken care of, the, of, of our population. We will sooner get to the recovery where we can get our economic engines going at full speed again. And we will pay down the debt we created for ourselves in order to respond to COVID-19. So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's how it works. Um, though you're doing both over time, sometimes you emphasize one or the other. Right. Yeah. It's not a 50-50. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right? Oh. Yeah. And I think it's it's taking, it's that strategic action, right? And doing both and really trying to be mindful of what's the best strategy right now. And it has to be relevant to the situation. What we were doing before isn't, isn't applicable exactly. right now, right? This is a whole new ball game. Yes. And just, and another point about that is that, that if we look at, at, at three phases in time, one is po- pre-COVID-19, another is in the middle of COVID-19 where we are now, and the other is after COVID-19. And so the polarity of, as I mentioned earlier, the polarity of health and economy, we were dealing with before, we're dealing with it now, yeah. and we're dealing with it after. What yeah. will be important is that it, from a polarity perspective is that we learn how to leverage health and economy in the midst of the demands of COVID-19. And when we move into the future, we are, can be more intentional about leveraging that better in the future than we did going into COVID-19. So we can use this as an opportunity to learn to both see it as a polarity and learn about how do we intentionally leverage it. And it should serve us well going into the future because that polarity is not going anywhere. No, it's not. So well said. I just love that, right? Yes. And so this that's kind of the sense of urgency we're feeling too, is this is an opportune moment to like shed the light on polarities and um, and they are going to be here, you know? So yeah, they are. Um, one other thing that I, that I really appreciate it, the way that you say this too is just that um, when you use or between these two, it creates a false choice. And can you just say a few words about that? Because I think that's such a powerful statement. It has so much meaning behind it. 
Well, yeah, I think what happens is that the, uh, there's a natural tension between two poles of a polarity. And when we experience the tension between two things, it naturally feeds the thought, well, well, which am I going to choose here? Uh, you know, these two seem to be in tension with each other. Uh, it may be a difficult choice, but I've got to choose. And it's, so we bring a problem-solving mindset. We've got a problem here. There's tension around it. People are fighting over it. So, you know, let's just figure out which one of these seems to be best and let's do it. Um, so we have an orientation towards solving, seeing it as a problem to solve and a tension that we want to relieve ourselves of. Right. So both of those motivations lead uh, to us uh, making a choice uh, as if we have to choose one. And what happens is we do it um, with a thought that uh, it me means we have to let go of the other. Um, and that's where, the, that's where it becomes a false choice. We really, if it's a polarity, mm -hmm. um, we just cannot choose one or the other. It just won't work. Um, we can't choose to inhale or exhale. It's just, you know, it's just not sustainable. Although both are essential, neither of them are sustainable. And so that's, that's why it's so important to know when we are experiencing a change effort with resistance to a change effort, or we're experiencing um, a polarization, it's a very important question to ask, might there be an underlying polarity, you know, a few underlying polarities that are essentially at play here? Because if there is an underlying polarity or two that are at play here, then it will be important to appreciate that not only are both sides right in the polarization that's happening, but they're both, they both need each other. It's not even a matter of saying, oh, well, both sides are right. It's much more than that. It's saying, no, no, both sides need each other. Um, it's like wings on a bird. Um, you would just never choose between which wing would you use. I mean, it makes no sense. You wouldn't even argue over which is the better wing. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they, just, they come as a set for a reason. And yeah. polarities come as a set for a reason. They come as a set because, in fact, they're inherently interdependent. So or just doesn't work. Yeah. Such wisdom, you know, mm. just such wisdom. One of the uh, things that jumped out at us too is when you say in the article, a fairly simple shift in thinking will keep us, will help us save lives and accelerate our economic rebuild. So what is the fairly simple shift, Barry? Um, well, it's tapping into the missing logic. It's the name <laughs> of your organization is the simple shift. Um, it's, um, it's, it's paying attention to the fact that this is a situation in which and thinking is uh, valuable, it's necessary. Um, there's a lot of places where or thinking is essential and necessary because or thinking and thinking is itself a polarity. So we need to pay attention in those times when and thinking is, is essential, we need to recognize when those are and then be good at using and thinking, and that's what, where I think the contribution of missing logic uh, to healthcare and actually to our whole community is saying, wait, there's a missing logic here that we need to pay attention to. This is one of those situations in which and thinking is just going to be invaluable. Um, and so it's, it's the gift you're bringing through these podcasts and others. Well, yeah. thanks, Barry. Thank you. You know, I, one more thing I just, um, well, it might be two things. <laughs> but I'm just, you know, I'm thinking about this. You know, we're talking, we've talked a lot about this kind of on the higher level, the national level. But this is a very personal thing too, right? Um, so it's not just health and economy at the national level. It's health and economy at the personal level. And, um, you know, so I think that's just the other thing to point out here is there's layers to this. And the other thing that, you know, struck me as I was thinking about this podcast with you was, you know, I was thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? And when you think about that, um, you know, physiological and, and our safety, the two primary yeah. things that we need, right, as people, as individuals are threatened right now. 
And there's a lot of fear around that, right? And what we know too, right, is uh, there's a lot about fear when it comes to polarities as well. It's why we hang well, on to our Well, it's great to be with you again. So we're seeing a lot of this, right, at the individual level. And I just wondered if you would want to comment on, you know, what's your perspective around that? Well, I think, yeah, I think what's important with our, with our fears that show up um, is that... Um, that they come from some place that needs to be respected, um, and it's it's a mindset, uh, it's 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 a history in which, um, for example, people um, uh, people who suffered uh, under the uh, in the depression in the thirties, um, uh, that that makes them more fearful about possibly the economy crashing again because they've lived through it. Um, and so when we, have, when we have fears, the first thing is to appreciate the context in, from which the fear comes. And it doesn't mean you have to agree that the fear is, is, is well-founded in terms of it's, it's a legitimate concern right now. Um, but we do need to appreciate, well, where you respect the person, they have a value that is being threatened. Um, it might be I value my family's being able to eat and just survive, and I feel like my loss of a job is is going to threaten whether I can feed my family, whether they're going to eat. So this fear of a loss of a job is about the it's it's about something valued. It's not just the job; it's the fact that I, you know I want to make sure that my family eats, and and so so uh, when we're dealing with fears, I think from a polarity perspective. What's happening is there's two sets of values that are in tension with each other, but there's also then two sets of fears. Um, and, and so when you can put on a polarity map, when you can put those, make those values, put them right on the map and see the words, and you can see the fears uh, and, and sort of legitimate the whole thing. Of course, if you value this, of course you'd be afraid of this. How do we respect that? How do we deal with it? And the person who's, who's, who's in opposition um, uh, can say, well, I've got, I've got another set of values. And what you say actually makes me fearful. So now, all right, so now let's look at that. How each of us, you know, articulating our values can actually generate uh, the fears from the other person. Uh, so I think a polarity map can get at both of those things. At the individual level, uh, my own values and fears, and uh, all the way to national and international level of system. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Cause I mean, I almost, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sitting here getting a little bit emotional because there's just a lot of tension right now, right? For, for people, right? And you, you want to honor them and you want to respect their experience of this moment. And, we're, and I think somebody said right earlier, you said last week on a podcast or somebody or said, you know, we're all in the same ocean, but we're not all in the same boat. Right. Right. Yeah. So we're having a common, we're having somewhat of a common experience and not at the same at time. At the same time. And so I just really appreciate you bringing that forth, Barry. And I know that individually myself, you know, I could probably do a lot more um, listening and more being more respectful about the experiences people are having yeah. a step outside of my experience to understand theirs more. And so thank you for sharing that. Well, I think I, the, I was just going to add to that, that I think the other gift that polarities has brought is, is the extremes, right? It's the extremes that sometimes show up and recognizing, recognizing that. Yeah. And just to build on your trace, what you were saying, uh, about we're all in the same ocean, but we're not all in the same boat. Um, I think uh, that's just a terrific metaphor, and I'd like to build on that for just a second. And that is that one of the key polarities that has that showed up, and, and we'll get into it with actually with the second article that we, we talk about, but it's the polarity around abundance for some and basics for all. So whenever... Whenever you support individual freedom and entrepreneurship, some are going to benefit more from that freedom than others. Um, they just will, because for all sorts of reasons. But some people will be able to create some abundance, and others will be less able to create that abundance. Right? So um, we end up with gross inequality if we just focus on freedom. But when we focus on the other pole, equality, um, then what we say, okay, well, 
of course, we can allow for abundance for some, but we need to provide the basics for all. So in the metaphor that you talk, we're all in the same ocean. Some people can be on a cruise ship where they've got entertainment going on. They've got, they've got this huge buffet. That's fine. I'm not against cruise ships. But we need to make sure that, that the, other, the boats that other people are in, even if it's just a life raft, it has to be something that doesn't sink. We have yeah. to make sure that, it's, it's, that it floats. We have to make sure that the basics are taken care of, that, that they have enough food in that boat to eat. So, so, um, so we need to, in this ocean, we can allow for these cruise ships, it's fine, but let's pay attention to the other boats in the ocean and make sure that they're seaworthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That people can survive in them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, uh, that's what it means to have, uh, to pay attention to the possibility that we can have abundance for some and basics for all. Now, right. the fear is, amongst those in the, the fear is uh, that if we allowed for basics for all, we're going to lose abundance for some. Yep. Um, I'm suggesting that that's a false choice again. And that, in fact, we could have cruise ships. I love this metaphor, by the way, that you saw. About. <laughs> it's not mine. No, <laughs> I have to. <laughs> what I love about it is it's, it's positing the fact, look, we're all in the ocean here. How do we make sure that we, in a, at some minimal way, some basic way, that we care for those people in smaller boats? And, what we, and we just need to define what the basics are. Yeah. Okay? And, and, and the basics are you need, you need uh, food. You need shelter, you need health, support for your health, um, and you need basic education. Yeah. Um, and, and you need an opportunity to, to contribute. You need some job or some opportunity to contribute. But base, those basic needs, we can figure out as a community mm-hmm. how to make sure everybody has access to those basic needs. Not everybody's right. going to go to the best education system to get a PhD. Right. That's not what we're talking about. But everybody deserves a basic education. Yeah. 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 Everybody deserves basic health care, right? Right. Right. Yeah. That um, quote came from Dr. Deborah Dang from Johns Hopkins University. And um, I was listening to her last week on a podcast put on by the National Academy of Medicine's um, Action Coalition. Um, Action Collaborative uh, to Combat Clinician Burnout and Resilience. And Tracy and I have been very engaged. And when she said that, I thought, what a great metaphor. It mm-hmm. just really helps to think yeah. about it that way. And you could use it in a lot of different <laughs> yeah, ways, you like can. you just demonstrated, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I guess I just want to say, too, I think we've been striving in the midst of COVID-19, what I've seen and um, observe myself is that people are trying to help people get the basics, right? We are trying to make sure people have food. I mean, you know, just neighbors taking care of neighbors, right? And just, I think everybody, it's been a lot of giving and receiving. And, uh, and I think um, it's kind of elevated our humanity a bit, yes. I would say. And um, so I just have been really appreciating that and how people have just really been supporting each other and trying to make sure that nobody goes without, you know, and posting on Facebook, you know, hey, to all my friends and family, don't go without food. If you need shelter, if you need food, if you need anything, let me know. I'll do what I can to help you. You know, I think that's just yeah. been phenomenal. Yeah, and, and to the credit of our, you know, the bipartisan decisions of, uh, of, of funding uh, yes. that come out of, came out of Congress yeah. to, you know, to provide, to help provide some basics for all. I mean, there's yeah. obviously a tension in how much goes to the cruise ship and how much goes to the rat life raft. But, but in fact, the point is we need, it, it's like we need to pay attention to that and we need to make sure that those basics are provided. So even at the congressional level is one of the few, you know, bipartisan things that we have skated through uh, uh, because of that recognition. It's a terrific part of the process. Yes, it's really been something to celebrate, I think. Um, So let's that, you know, you kind of mentioned the next article. So let's go there because this is equally important. It is (laughs) significant, right? So um, your second piece was excellent as well. And it's the individual freedom and the common good. 
And, um, you know, talking about how both are essential in the fight against COVID-19 for our recovery and our future. And so describe for us, you, you start out talking about um, the significance of Governor Cuomo and President Trump's points of view on centralized and decentralized efforts to address the pandemic. So talk a little bit about how that relates to individual freedom and the common good. Just kind of give our listeners an overview. And you have a app on this as well. So, and that'll be in the show notes. Um, yeah. So let me, uh, let me share that. I got to go to screen share. Sure. Uh, uh, here we go. Um, <clears throat> okay. So the, uh, the second one, if I reduce this, the second one is this one. Okay. So <clears throat> I'm going to slide this over a little bit. Um, Oops, I guess I, let me just, there we go. So can you see that okay? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay, terrific. So um, what, has been, uh, what has been happening uh, when you look at the, uh, at the tension that, that is, uh, is taking place um, over, uh, you know, Governor Cuomo was saying, um, we, need to, we need to have a coordinated uh, effort to support the common good. When we don't, we need to stop fighting over, over ventilators and arguing over them. You know, um, and we need to have some coordination from the federal government. Please help us. You know, let's take care of the common good here, and let's. And the, so the concern was on the polarity map for those who uh, who can't see it. We have decentralized on the left pole. The right pole is centralized. And the greater purpose is, again, a healthy people and economy, and the deeper fear is unhealthy people and economy. And so the, um, on the, the upside of the decentralized side is individual freedom. You, we decentralize to, give us, to allow as much latitude and, and decentralize the power and decision-making to the individual to uh, make their own decisions about um, how to take care of themselves and their family in the midst of the COVID crisis, and centralized. The upside of the centralized poll is the common good. How do we make sure that this is working for everybody to protect the maximum number of citizens and minimize the death? If we overfocus on this, on decentralization, on individual freedom to the neglect of the centralized poll, we end up being disorganized because we don't we don't have the things in place that we we have uh, guidelines that uh, that that support everyone in this process, and we and we're not organized to make sure the ventilators across the country get to the states that need them. Uh, on, when we overfocus on the centralized pole to the neglect of the decentralized pole, the fear is of big government. I mean, it's also called a welfare state. It's called socialism. Uh, it's called communism. It's called China. So there's a, there's a big fear of that downside. So what's happening when we look at this polarity map, we see Governor Cuomo saying, being concerned about the downside of decentralization. He's saying the government's too disorganized. Let's move towards more centralized coordination to get all the benefits of that. Let's all be in this together. And so they're moving towards the benefits of the common good and, and equality. Let's make sure everyone is taken care of in this process. Um, at the same time, and that's one point of view, and I'm just going to slide down and show uh, these two points of view. So the one point of view I just talked about is going from disorganized government to the common good. And I'm showing this as, a, as these two quadrants uh, on the screen now for those of you who can't see it. The other point of view is the point of view that is held by President Trump and other people and, uh, and primarily Republicans are holding on to this point of view. And that is that there's a concern about big government and there's a concern uh, about overreach by government and overregulation and, and not uh, being able to respond to the unique situations that are in a particular state. Montana isn't New York, for example. And so, so they're, they're moving mm -hmm. towards the, uh, the focus on individual freedom. Uh, and, and this is the fight that is, is going on underneath this discussion about, uh, you know, about are we, um, how are we going to deal with uh, regulating or not regulating uh, this whole issue across the country. And what I wanted to say about this is this uh, fight between these two has been with us as a country since the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. 
that all people are created equal. They said men, but that was before they understood that, that women were a part of this process. <laughs> so so uh, that, that, you know, that all people are created equal. So we got equality as one value. And they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And among them is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So do we focus on the fact that we're all created equal or the fact that we have a right to individual liberty? The answer is yes. Um, we need to do both of those things. And so when President Trump and, and primarily Republicans are oriented towards, wait a minute, let's make sure we're not encroaching on, we're not creating a big government issue and over-legislating, um, we need to deregulate to allow for individual entrepreneurship and creativity, they've got a point. Not only is it, is it a point, it's an essential dimension, an essential point of view. And when uh, Governor Cuomo says, wait, we need to coordinate at a, at a national level, and we need to, to uh, legislate this so that we can work in a systemic level for everybody and create some equality in the delivery of services, he's got a point as well. So what I'm suggesting is um, individual freedom and the common good has been a source of tension in our country from the beginning. And before COVID-19, we weren't handling it very well. As a culture, we tend to overfocus on freedom to the relative neglect of the common good. And what happens when we do that is it leads to gross inequality. So it's no accident that there is gross inequality in terms of income inequality is different for African Americans than white people in our country. Now, uh, and it's especially uh, significant between uh, black women and white people in this country. So that income inequality, health inequalities, um, uh, virtually any of one of the basics, there's inequality in our country, uh, which is, uh, and the difference is stacked against uh, uh, people of color, right, and marginalized groups. <clears throat> so that was happening before COVID-19, but COVID-19 is shining a really bright light on that because it's shining a bright light on everything, but those mm -hmm. inequalities are showing up as three to seven times as many black people dying from COVID-19 huh. as white people and on a percentage basis. Now, this is huge. And mm -hmm. people are saying, well, why did, how did that happen? Well, it didn't happen because, because COVID-19 is intentionally racist and picking out black people. Um, it, it's, it is because <clears throat> of the historical inequities that are being shown here. <clears throat> so it was important to leverage the polarity of individual freedom and the common good before COVID-19. We didn't do a very good job at it. While we're dealing with COVID-19, we need to learn about, about seeing this as a both-and proposition and be intentional about leveraging it. And going forward um, into the post-COVID-19 era, we need to, to learn from what this shining light indicated to us. is like, wow, we really didn't do a good job of leveraging this polarity beforehand. We, we, we struggled with and learned how we could do that within the COVID-19 process itself. We brought and we brought the missing logic into this issue. And we will now be able to sustain a view of that tension going forward into the future in which we will better leverage this polarity of individual freedom and the common good. Um, and so uh, uh, I, think, I think that that's a, a fundamental tension and it looks just like, are we going to open up or not? But underneath it are these very powerful values and fears that are at stake. Values and fears, by the way, that people have died for in previous wars in the United States. They fought for both of these values. They fought yeah. for individual freedom and they fought for, um, uh, the, I'm a good. you know, united we stand, yeah. you know, exactly. uh, fought for our country as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. I actually loved how you brought that out in the article because it just brings the truth to both, again, both sides, both poles from a historical context, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, and I think something that struck me as I was thinking about this uh, as well is that these are complex values. I mean, yeah. And, and that, you know, I don't think ever before as a people in the United States anyway, have has our freedom been removed from us, right? Like, has anybody said, you have to stay in your house? 
Never before have we experienced it this way, from my knowledge, at least in my lifetime. Um, and I think that's got people a little bit freaked out, right? Because mm-hmm. it just pushes that value, right? It, and and they value that freedom so much that yeah. it's really pushing them into a place of this can't go on much longer. Like I've tolerated it for this long, but you can't continue to refrain me from living my life. And it's just causing, again, right. It's understanding to your point, respecting where's that fear coming from, you know, trying to understand why some feel that fear more than others, what has been their experience in the past. And just trying to really just get your arms around this so that you can, you know, move through it. And to your point, learn from this, let's learn from each other's perspectives and fears and experiences. Yeah. Yeah, And that fear, uh, the fear that is uh, demonstrated by people who are going out and demonstrating, you know, to open up the country, um, uh, one of the most significant um, manifestations of what they're afraid of is it, what they're afraid of is is Urban in, in Turkey, where in fact um, uh, a leader could use a crisis to concentrate all their power um, and um, you know and just declare martial law. For example, when you declare martial law, what are you doing? You're taking away what is the traditional freedoms of the of the society and saying, well, because of circumstances, I'm going to tell everybody what to do. And, and that really, there's a vulnerability that that will be assumed, <laughs> that power will be assumed and you declare martial law, for example, and then you just continue <laughs> having, having concentrated the power and it doesn't shift back. Mm-hmm. So in a democracy, you're always trying to both claim power and share power. Mm-hmm. And if you claim power without sharing power, it becomes a dictatorship and the democracy is undermined. And it's possible that in a, a situation like COVID-19, that, that there is an excess of government claiming power without sharing it. And, and it could become a dictatorship. And that's a legitimate concern. And yeah. it's, showing up in, it's showing up in other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. so that, that needs to be identified. Um, and so the question is, can we, can we as, a, as a community, as a group of citizens, essentially share an excessive amount of power to the central government in order to battle COVID-19, um, uh, knowing that as we get through COVID-19, we will be able to reclaim that power. We're not going to be, <laughs> we're not going to be told by the government, you have to stay at home, you know, for the rest of our lives, you know, it's just not going to happen and right. it shouldn't happen. So the, so, and, and we look at how do we, how do we shift that back? How yeah. do we reclaim our power as individual citizens, our right to vote, our right to decide who's in charge, etc. How do we reclaim that power that we have temporarily been willing to share uh, with uh, leadership of the country on the advice of medical um, experts and the people who've elected to represent us. Yeah. yeah. Or that common good, right? Yeah. 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 So it's really helping people understand the whole picture and to do that dance, whether it's at a state level, at a national level. Um, and then what, what, what advice would you have to help people understand how you have to move through this in a certain way? Like, well, well, I think uh, let me just let me just ex- before getting into the advice section, I just want to add one other thing that I that okay. I realized was in the article and build on what you uh, just said, Michelle, and that is that it it um, it this issue of of uh, of claiming power and sharing power and looking at the the part on the whole, individual freedom and the common good shows up. I was focusing primarily on the United States, but it shows up at the national level as well. So, for example. We, we would look at, at national sovereignty, the individual country's freedom to do what it wants to do within its country to respond to COVID-19 on the one hand. Yeah. But we also need a global response, an integrated common good response. And now we're talking about the common good is the world. The world, right. So, so to what degree do countries, in terms of their claiming power as a country, and they're sharing power in the United Nations um, and, you know, and in the global community, how, to what degree are countries willing to say, well, let's, let's look at 
um, what's best for the common good, and might we give up some of our uh, power to uh, into the sharing for the common good, knowing that we we will reclaim that into the future. So, but I, so what I think can help us is to appreciate first of all that this is a that we need to have both poles. We need to claim power and share power. Um, we need to focus on individual freedom and the common good. It's the basis for democracy. We, we need to have that, right? Um, uh, and we need to be aware that there will be times when the shift, there's a shift from focusing on one, concentrating more on one than the other, and it, and it needs to shift back. We're anticipating yeah. it will shift back. And so that's where, that's where in our, when we work with our polarity map with action steps and early warnings, we have some action steps that might primarily be focused on on looking at you know the common good, and we need to make sure that we hold on to some activities that make sure we protect individual freedom. Yeah. And on the downside of each poll, uh, we have early warnings that let us know: Have we overfocused on the common good? Have we become big government in a way that 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 does not that does not suit us well? Have we overfocused on individual freedom? How would we know we've overfocused? What are those indicators that would let us know that we need to self-correct and, and re-embrace the common good? And over time, there will be this oscillation, this dance, and it's a dynamic balance. So it's not, mm-hmm. yeah. it's not a yeah. it's not a balance like you're just, just trying to make sure it's it's stable. It's more like a teeter-totter that's full of energy. Yeah. So one mm-hmm. person pushes off and the other one goes up, and then you have the other one going up. It's like you're you're moving back and forth with this thing and how to do it in an intentional way that captures the best of both. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, so, so important. It's just a whole different world if we looked at things that way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we did ask, what would you advise? Like, yeah. how, how could people come together to understand these polarities and manage them better going forward? Um, well, the thing that we have found is is most uh, useful um, is seeing it um, on a polarity map, and um, and so I, I think the polarity map itself can be be really helpful. And I want to I'm just going to share screen again for just a just a second in response to that because the map is um, is so helpful. Um, so if 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 we um, if we look at I'm, I'm I'm sorry here I'm trying to get this uh, to move I think the other poll had the map with action see yeah, here we got action steps and early warnings so um, let me get this out of the screen all right so what we do um, is um, we need first of all to encourage people to see it as a polarity, to both and. The next step in this process is to say, well, if it is a polarity, let's get the key stakeholders together and together create a polarity map that, in, that respects the values of both, of both groups. So if we were looking at health and the economy, we might bring people together um, who were uh, some uh, people who, who were experts in healthcare, people who were experts in the economy, uh, and some people who were experts in the politics of it, uh, of how, you know, how do, we, how do we deal with this politically? And what would happen is together that group, and you could do it, you could do it from different, you could do it while you're located, multi-located, because you could have one polarity map on a screen and everybody could be contributing to it. Matter of fact, we did this yesterday with about 56 people um, in, by chat contributing content to the maps. But what you're doing is having people recognize what are the positive results if we do a good job of taking care of health? And in the map now, I've got the map here of health and economy. And the upside of, of, of the health poll is a thriving, econ- thriving healthcare system. What would be various manifestations of that? We generate content for all four quadrants. And then what we do uh, together is we say, okay, what would be the action steps alongside the upside of thriving healthcare system are action steps that we could do we are doing or could be doing to make sure that we maintain a thriving healthcare system. And we look at what all those things are, given the fact that we were, uh, that healthcare, that hospitals are going to lose $50 billion a month. What can we do to make sure that, you know, that they, uh, uh, not only, 
are able to survive that financial hit, but can thrive uh, and move into the future. And we would also then look at what kind of action steps could we use to improve the economy, uh, to make sure our economy is, is thriving. And we generate those action steps. So we're, we're looking real concretely at what can we do to get the upside of both of these poles. We want to have a thriving healthcare system and a thriving economy. What are we going to do to make sure both of those happen? It becomes a dual strategy because mm -hmm. part of the strategy is focused on economy and part of the strategy is focused on healthcare, and we need to be doing them to some degree simultaneously. The other thing we can do is we can look at, uh, when we look at the overfocus on possible overfocus on health to the neglective economy, it actually contributes to the recession. So we need to have early warnings that would let us know when we have, uh, when we are moving into that downside um, and be able to then, when we see these early warnings come up, we can look at, well, do we need to take some more actions to support that economy? What would that be? And we also would have early warnings about the pandemic. How would we know early that we're getting into that or it's becoming worse? For mm -hmm. example, when we, when we do the, uh, the return to normal, um, uh, when we look at returning, uh, you know, bringing things back to normal, we need to have early warning signs in place. How do we know that, that there's, there's, there's actually being an uptick? You know, we've, right. we've done something yeah. too fast, maybe in one part of the country. You know, maybe there's one system that we have uh, that is all of a sudden a source of a pandemic and we need to return to more controls uh, in that area, in that city or in that county or in that particular business, we need to back off and, and get the face masks back on. We thought we could have them, you know, we thought we could take them off, but actually we need to have them back on. So uh -huh. that's, it's a dynamic monitoring yeah. of the ongoing tension between the two. Awesome. <clears throat> well, Bear, I just want to point something out here. Uh, Tracy and I have been in healthcare for over 30 years and we're very engaged with leaders all over the country. And We've experienced getting the right stakeholders in the room for a think tank, for a summit, and we've been holding our ground. Like we, the polarity is the missing logic to put it together. And so you can bring people together, but if you don't have that map to organize the actual underlying polarities to help you make informed decisions for that greater good, we're going to keep swirling. We're never going to advance. Well, and the common understanding of what you're experiencing, yeah. right? And and where those fears are coming from and what that there is that they are both right, right? That yeah. the both perspectives are right and valuable and necessary. And having that common language and a tool to walk you through that process to open you up to reduce the resistance, to eliminate the fears, right? To bring hope to really what is possible in the situation. I think it's, it's, yeah. it, it's just essential. And I'm just so thrilled you've been here with us today to share this with yeah. our, our listeners and our community. Uh, do we, do we have a few minutes left? There's a couple of thoughts that just came to mind to that. Probably yeah. just two. Maybe. We have two minutes left. Oh, <laughs> so take them, Barry. I thought a minute. I thought a minute. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> the two things are: it's good to have people in the same room. It's good to have them as a group actually work on a polarity map on the floor. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, it's important to be assessing these over time, yes, so that you can monitor the key polarities. Yes. And when you have a few polarities, you're monitoring. It changes the thinking of everybody in the system, and they will see and leverage on the fly other polarities besides the one you are monitoring. So all of right. those help. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. fabulous. Yeah. And we're so excited about your new uh, book set coming out real soon and making a difference by leveraging polarity, paradox, or dilemma. And we got volume one on the foundations and volume two on the applications. And when can our listeners expect that those books to come out, Barry? Uh, the first one should come out in June. And the okay. second one, we're you know we're working on it right now. The other one has just been finished up. It's at the publisher, so we're trying to get it get it uh, to the to the print stage. Um, and uh, the second book, and by the way, you've got some chapters in the second book, which is yes. just terrific. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. There's um, there's 39 chapters by practitioners like the two of you in the book, wow. and um, that's very exciting. We we're hoping that maybe the end of July but uh, by August for sure that the second book will be out. 
that's just so exciting and how timely, right? When we yes. need it so desperately yes. in the world. So oh, I'm just thrilled. Will you come back on once the book's out? Oh, I'd love to. <laughs> okay, yeah. good. Oh, definitely. You're going to be a regular on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and we can take a look at your chapters together. That would be oh, oh, that that'd be, be great. <laughs> that'd be great. That would be really oh, fun. That would be. Yeah. Well, Barry, thank you so much. It's been just such an honor to spend this time with you, and it's just such a critical time. So we really appreciate all of your leadership, mentorship, and wisdom. the wisdom. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing Missing Logic to, to healthcare systems and to the world. Um, it's just a treat to be in the same uh, effort with you to bring this uh, to the world. So oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you have you. a great day. Stay safe and strong and healthy. And the same to Dana. Yeah. I know you're on there, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will. You stay safe. And everybody else who's watching this, stay safe. Yes, All exactly. Right. Take care. Bye now. Thanks, as always, for listening to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We'd love to hear and answer your questions. If you have questions, you can email us at questions at missinglogic.com, and we may include your question in a future episode. You can find show notes and links at our website, www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast. If you're the kind of leader who wants to help others, then share this podcast with your peers and other healthcare leaders. We're certain if you found value in it, they will too. Please share this on your social media channels and leave us a review in iTunes. If you don't know how to leave a review, you can find instructions on our website at www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast.